the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, we implore you, show your mercy to your humble servants, that we who put no trust in our own merits may not be dealt with after the severity of your judgment, but according to your mercy. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the 25th Sunday after Trinity is written in the second book of Moses, known as Exodus, chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered him, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God, the writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There is the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, It is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and threw, he threw the tablets out of his hands breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf that they had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. This is the, God, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh. 
fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Restore your people and bless who devour my people and do not call on the Lord. All that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Israel rejoice and be glad. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the second lesson is written in St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Glory be to you, O Lord. Jesus said, So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. 
Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled, from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you,
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. When you see the abomination that causes desolation, Jesus says, our Lord says, flee. He doesn't say stay and fight. What, after all, would we be fighting for? We always think that that if we were to stand and fight, we would always be fighting for good things. We would be defending the faith or we'd be preserving our American way. Of course, the Christian faith has at its service and in its defense the Holy Lord God himself and all his holy angels. The 12 legions of angels that stood ready to assist Jesus at his call in Gethsemane are still ready. The kingdom of heaven, as we heard in our gospel on Reformation Day, suffers violence, it doesn't inflict it. The kingdom is won by the word of God and by his love and not by swords. So too, can the Lord who once made use of Cyrus, king of Persia, and Caesar Augustus of Rome and the Pharaoh of Egypt, I think he can handle America. What we're probably fighting for is our stuff. We hang on to life. We even call it hang on for dear life. We call it revealing our actual affections. We hang on with everything we've got. Why? Do we really want to continue in sorrow and in pain? People often tell me that they're they're not afraid to die, and I often don't believe them. Because at the very same time, those same people will be hanging on to their stuff, and they won't want to let it go. That hanging on and not wanting to let go, that's fear. So it's as if our Lord pops his head into the door today and he says, grab your stuff, we're going. Wait, leave your stuff. It's only stuff. Don't look back. Don't even bend down to grab your jacket. Leave now. But we like that jacket. And we like the earrings our mother left us or our grandpa's watch and a favorite book and a fancy bottle of wine that we've been saving. We like our families too. We like the grandchildren and the old friends. We we like our pets and we like our place. But it's all stuff, even when wrapped up in pious talk. The world is coming to an end. Good riddance. What are you afraid of losing? Name the thing that you can't live without. What is it? Is your music, your freedom, your child? Luther, in his large catechism, says that's your God. That's what you won't let go of. That is why you fear death. Repent. You and I aren't usually inclined to turn statues or golden calves into gods, nor do we usually turn even to evil things. We turn to all kinds of good things. We make gods of wives, children, jobs, reputations. We worship health, money, pleasure, Those are the things that we think we need. But then our Lord pops his head in the door and he says, let's go, leave it. Go now. This world is coming to an end. 
It's under a death sentence. It can't go on. We, we might expect or imagine that it would end by a global warming or by a global freezing or a mediator or an atomic bomb. It doesn't matter. The point is that it is ending. It is inevitable, and so our hope cannot be in it. It cannot be in stuff. Our few days full of trouble are coming to an end. You are leaving your stuff one way or another. Whether the, Lord, the call comes from the Lord as the world burns or perhaps the call comes sooner. Are you ready to leave that which you love for the one who loves you? And there's the good news. The good news is that the Lord can and does bring us out of this life. With all its sin and filth and decay and death, he brings us out of crying and cancer and suffering and anxiety and loneliness and despair. It is as though he has reached into this septic tank where we've been feeding, grabbed us, wiped us off, given us food and drink and a holy name. Would we now become nostalgic for the sewer we just came out of? Would we now look back at this world like the Israelites who looked back longingly at Egypt and longed for the good food they ate in slavery? Would you look back and, and long for the day when, when Stalin had the trains full of dead bodies but running on time? What are we asked to leave but stuff? Nothing more. And along with the stuff, you, can, you might as well leave your justifications, your excuses, your need to excuse your lack of care for the poor, your, your need to declaim that you're not afraid to die, or that you've done your best, at least your kids are good people, even if they don't go to church and are living in sin. You don't need to justify yourself. The Lord has justified you. you. He has answered for you. In Christ, there is no one left to accuse you. No one. You have nothing left to answer for. Maybe that sounds too easy. Well, God's mercy has always chafed against our fallen flesh, but this is what God has done in Christ. He brings a clean thing out of an unclean thing. But that's not even yet the whole good news. That God brings a clean thing out of an unclean. There's more. St. Paul writes, Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Here's our hope. And the end of all our need for stuff. Jesus died and rose again. What about those who have fallen asleep? What about those that we've buried? Those who are arguably the only ones more important to us than stuff. Well, since Jesus died and rose again, they will be brought with him, with Jesus, through Jesus. And that's still not all. What about you, who are alive when the end comes? Since Jesus died and rose again and has ascended to the Father's right hand as your advocate and Savior, he will descend. He will come for you. You don't go to him. He comes to you. Since Jesus has died and rose again, you will be caught up. Either from beneath the earth where you have been sleeping or from the surface of the earth, snatched away up into the clouds to be with the Lord forever. And that's still not all. For ours is not a passive God. 
He's not sitting around waiting to see what you are going to do. He doesn't ask you to explain yourself. He intervenes for you. He answers for you. He who came in lowly, despised ways to be a sacrifice for sin, a shield from his father's wrath, a lamb to be consumed in hell's fire, he comes still. He comes now. Not just in the future, but he comes now to get you. Even if he doesn't yet come on the clouds while the world burns, still he comes now. You don't go to him. He comes to you. And he bestows life in his risen body and blood, separating you from your stuff and from your death. You see, ours is a faith that is built upon history, upon the historic fact of Christ crucified, the the innocent and poor desolated as an abomination for vile offenders and sinners who deserved what he endured with all their sorry excuses. So let us now gather around that historic reality. Let us gather around it like vultures around a corpse. Let it, let Jesus' death and resurrection draw us like flowers draw bees. For here is the source of our life in Christ. Ours is a faith that also, even as it gathers around the cross, looks forward, eagerly looking forward to the kingdom of glory. Jesus is coming back. We will be with him forever. And yet ours is a faith that lives now. It lives in the presence. We confess Jesus lives. He lives now. And so now, here in time, here in this building, here upon this altar, your Lord comes with forgiveness, acceptance, and refreshment in his physical body and blood for us physical sinners. Jesus lives. He comes also in his his holy word and absolution, in hymn and chant. He speaks the baptized clean. He renews wedding vows. He confirms the catechumens in their faith. He blesses the sick and dying and prepares us for his final summons. And he forever hears the fervent prayers of his people. His name is upon us, and he comes for us. Now is the day of salvation. This is the day the Lord has made. The world is coming to an end. Good riddance. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We now join in the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father,
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For all who have been baptized into Christ, that filled with the fruit of his righteousness, they would do justice, love kindness, walk humbly, and have their love abound more and more. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this congregation and all congregations of our synod, that our members would love one another, bear one another's burdens, and be quick to forgive one another, so that all grudges and bitterness would be removed from among the people of God. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For good stewardship among God's children, that recognizing that all they have is a gift from above, they would with thankful hearts faithfully support their congregations and be eager to share their blessings with those in need. Let us pray to the Lord. For our governing authorities, that they would lead according to God's will, so that the people of our land may live peaceful and quiet lives. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who are sick or suffering in any way, that they would be relieved of their afflictions according to the Lord's will, or strengthened to endure. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who receive the blessed sacrament of Christ's true body and blood this day, that they would have faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all the faithful who have departed this veil of tears and now experience heavenly bliss, let us give thanks to the Lord that we would be kept in the faith until our Lord Jesus returns in great glory and join with them in the feast that never ends. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who out of love for his fallen creation, humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient to death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song. Blessed are you, O Lord of heaven and earth. We praise and thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, and we remember the great acts of love through which he has ransomed us from sin, death, and the devil's power. By his incarnation, he became one with us. By his perfect life, he fulfilled your holy will. By his innocent death, he overcame hell. By his rising from the grave, he opened heaven. Invited by your grace and instructed by your word, we approach your table with repentant and joyful hearts. Strengthen us through Christ's body and blood, 
and preserve us in the true faith until we feast with him and all his ransomed people in glory everlasting. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institutions, your institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty. With these, your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we and your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We give you thanks, O Lord, for the foretaste of the heavenly banquet that you have given us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. Through this gift, you have fed our faith and nourished our hope and strengthened our love. By your Holy Spirit, help us to live as your holy people until that day when you will receive us as your guests at the wedding supper of the Lamb, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. <laughs>